The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is the London Visited podcast on your favourite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Steve and welcome back to our podcast. We're here for all things London and to tell you more behind some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we return to the Ritz for part two, our final part of our podcast. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. And now to this week's podcast. The social scene changed dramatically in London in the 1960s, with Beatlemania and the sexual revolution, and British aristocracy in the capital was not what it had been. By this time, the general impeccable standards of the Ritz had fallen, Peregrine Warsthorn noted the change, precisely that it was not at all ritzy. In the sense of being conspicuously luxurious, the glitter had long since faded and shabbiness set in. The place was unusually empty, kept alive by memories of former glories and a clientele who preferred nostalgia to comfort. Yet celebrities often held parties at the hotel, and the Rolling Stones were guests for many years. British Prime Ministers Harold Wilson, Edward Heath and Harold Macmillan often lunched at the Ritz. Heath would always reserve table 29 in the restaurant. In the 1970s, the hotel fell into a turbulent period. Terrorist threats from the provisional IRA became a chief concern, and bomb scares were not uncommon. The oil crisis in the early 1970s directly affected business and prompted the Bracewell-Smith family to sell their stake to the Trafalgar House on the 5th of April 1976 for £2.75 million. At the time of the sale, the hotel's occupancy rate was just 45%. The Ritz Grill Room had been closed and had lost quite a bit of money in the recent times. In 1984, the Ritz brought back its weekly Sunday tea dances, which were popular during the 1920s and 30s. Because of demand, the hotel considered restructuring afternoon tea at the Ritz to hotel guests only, as those staying at the Ritz were often unable to get a table. Many Londoners who would have been barred by this restriction voiced disapproval and the Ritz compromised by requiring reservations for afternoon tea at the hotel. Proper attire for tea is a must. The Ritz once refused to admit Mick Jagger for tea because he was not wearing a jacket and tie. The Barclay twins of the Elliman Group of Companies purchased the hotel for £80 million from Trafalgar House Group in October 1995 through their company Elliman Investments. They spent eight years and £40 million restoring it to its former grandeur. Two years later, after the death of Princess Diana, the Prince and Camilla Parker Bowles made their first public appearance together at the Ritz. 
as they left a birthday party for Paul Cabal's sister. The couple returned to the hotel in November 2002 for the prince's birthday party attended by the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh. In 2002, the Ritz became the first hotel to receive the royal warrant from His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales for banqueting and catering services. The Ritz acquired the adjoining Wimborne House in 2005. On the 27th of January 2007, around 300 people were evacuated to the nearby Mayfair Hotel, following a fire alarm in the hotel. No one was hurt in the blaze, which started in the basement casino's kitchen extraction vents. The Ritz Casino only suffered minor damage. Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was convalescing at the Ritz when she died following a stroke on the 8th of April 2013. There has been criticism because the Ritz has not paid any corporation tax since being taken over by the Barclay Twins. The accounts indicate that the profitable hotel uses a series of tax reliefs to reduce its corporation tax to zero. David Barclay's son, Aidan, has stated that the company abides by the UK law. Authors Montgomery Messenbird and Watkin describe the Ritz as the product of one of those near-miraculous convergences of civilised patron and architects and craftsmen of genius working together to complete harmony, both with each other and with the social and architectural fashions of the day. The building has been regarded as a masterpiece from the day it was finished. The architects were both educated together at the prestigious École de Brue Arts in Paris, and the education which they received is clear in the design of the buildings, particularly the Renaissance influence delivering an authentic fabric of traditional French classicism. One of the architects had previously designed the Hotel Ritz in Paris for Caesar in 1897-1898, after which he met the other architect, Arthur Davis, working together preparing designs for the Grand Petit Palais in the Paris Exhibition of 1900. Both architects worked on plans for the London Ritz in 1904-1905. The exterior is both structurally and visually Franco-American in influence with little trace of English architecture. For them, the exterior represents an evocative confluence of various Parisian architectural traditions. The Piccadilly Arcade echoes the arcaded ground floor of the Palace Velodrome and the Rue de Rivoli. The steep and scarded skyline of the Green Park facade echoes Hector Louis's work on Pavilion de Fleurs of the Louvre, while the tall windows and the wall panels of the facades resemble those of Mew's earlier work on a smaller building made as home for Jules Ferry on Rue Bayard. The total estimated cost for the building was £345,227, 8 shilling and 1 pence. The facade on the Piccadilly side is roughly 231 feet 70 metres, 115 feet 35 metres on the Arlington Street side and 87 feet on the Green Park side. The irregularity of the site presented initial problems for the builders. This was dealt with by brilliant perspective effects, according to Binney, using curved walls to cleverly conceal the rapidly diminishing space at the back of the hotel. The purpose of the arcade in front was to provide more space for the bedrooms above. Expensive Norwegian granite is the material on the ground floor, with Portland stone above it. The steel frame of the building was made in Germany is based on a model made in early 1880s in Chicago to increase fire resistance. The hotel interior was designed mainly by Paris and London-based designers in the Louis XVI style, which is consistent throughout, giving the hotel its special atmosphere of perfect appropriateness and elegant restraint. Marcus Binley describes the great suite of ground floor rooms as one of the all-time masterpieces of hotel architecture and compares it to a royal palace with its grand vistas, lofty proportions and sparkling chandeliers. 
Waring and Gallo were responsible for many of the fine design work of the interiors. The ground floor plan, dated to 1906, illustrated a large main restaurant overlooking the terrace and garden, a large central grand gallery and winter garden, a circular vestibule beyond the reception room, the Marie Antoinette suite near the restaurant, and numerous shops. The grill room had its own entrance on the right side of the entrance doors on Piccadilly, with a staircase leading down. The grill room was on the eastern side, and the banqueting hall lay on the western end, beneath the restaurant. Today, this is home to the Ritz Club, a wide vaulted corridor. The long room runs from Arlington Street entrance on the east side to the restaurant on the west side, with finely woven carpets. Along it are several intricate horseshoe archways. A triangular-shaped staircase features in the main building's southwest corner. The curving main staircase was built to allow women to make a dramatic entrance and show off their gowns to best effect. The Ritz's most widely known facility is the Palm Court, an opulently decorated cream-coloured Louis XVI setting. It is decorated with lavish furnishings, including gilded Louis XVI armchairs with oval wax, which the architects had designed based on research into French neoclassical furniture design of the 1760s and the 1770s, which were made by Waring and Gillow. The room, with its panelled mirrors of beveled glass in gilt bronze frames and high coving ornamented with gilded trestle work, according to Montgomery, Messingbird and Watkin, epitomises the elegantly frivolous comfort of Edwardian high life. There were originally two large windows at either end of the court, then known as the Winter Garden, and were replaced with 20 panels of mirrors after 1972. The fountain of the court, known as La Source, is made of marble and is extravagantly sculpted. A nymph, gold in colour, is featured in a layer. A wrought iron and glass roof of the Palm Court contains two gilt wrought iron lanterns, and the ceiling contains lion skin motifs. The room is done in soft apricot and has remained so since 1906. Caesar Ritz chose the colour to flatter the complexions of women after weeks of experimentation with various hues. The Palm Court is the setting for the world-famous institution, that is, tea at the Ritz, once frequented by King Edward VII, Sir Winston Churchill, Noel Edmonds, Judy Garland, Evelyn Waugh, and Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. It acquired its reputation as the place for tea in London after World War I. In the 1920s, a small orchestra would play regularly on the court. Film producer John Satro, for instance, recalled that Hermine Badley once requested the violinist to play something hot. Between the Winter Garden and the Central Grand Gallery is a screen featuring two ionic columns. The hotel has six private dining rooms, the Marie Antoinette suite with its boucherie and the rooms within the Grade II listed William Kent House. Marcus Bindley states that the restaurant is not only one of the most beautiful interiors in London, it can be claimed as the most beautiful restaurant in the world. Caesar Ritz once commentated that the room was so heavily designed in bronze that it was fortunate that the hotel was built from steel or the walls would collapse with the weight of all that bronze. Flanking the entrance to the main restaurant are two life-size figures set in bronze vert. After Collodin, holding gilded bronze lustres with six lights each, mounted on pedestals of echelon marble, ornamented with bronze. The restaurant and adjacent guest room were designed by P.H. Ramon and Sons of Paris. Bronze chandeliers are also a feature, influenced by an 18th century Augustine de Saint-Aubin, engraving known as the Labelle Père Hermasque, which was given by the city of Paris to the king and queen on the 21st of January 1782. On the northern end against Piccadilly Arcade 
are floor-to-ceiling mirrors divided into panes, which give the room a spacious effect, especially when the lights are on all day during the winter. At the south end of the restaurant is a watercolour by Davis and gilded figures known as the Thames in the Ocean, with a buffet made from Norwegian pink marble below it, believed to be inspired by Louis C.'s Buffet of Mansart. During the 1977 major renovation of the hotel, the scaffolding used in the project was hidden by a clean cloth during mealtimes in the Louis XVI restaurant, so as to not upset diners with a possibly disturbing sight. During the renovation, the columns in the hotel's lobbies were stripped of many coats of cream-colored paint to display their original pink marble. Most of the work done in the renovation was done to restore and clean while keeping the original 1906 color scheme. Much of the furniture from the original opening was still in use. New items were faithfully copied, styled after the originals. The hotel retained its nightstand call buttons for maid, waiter, valet, and servant, refusing to make its patrons dial a telephone for services. From its inception, the kitchen was run mainly by French chefs, and it was a specialist in Russian soups, Viennese pastry. Its cakes became so famous that King Edward made regular orders from Buckingham Palace. The Ritz is renowned for its supreme catering service, as well as using its fine rooms for conferencing between executives and directors of multinational firms. A table at the restaurant still needs to be booked weeks in advance. The Rivoli Bar, built in the Art Deco style, was designed in 2001 by interior designer Tessa Kennedy to look like a bar on the Orient Express. The lounge was decorated in a Louis XIV style. Meals can be served on Nanking China of the Trafalgar Suite. The banquet and catering areas received a royal warrant from the Prince of Wales in 2005. The Marie Antoinette suite is accessed from the main restaurant. The gilded detail of the room has the luster and crispiness of gilt bronze, even the egg and dot in the boldly modelled cornice. According to Marcus Binley, floral motifs are a common feature of the room, given the namesake Marie Antoinette, and represents the flowers at one of her feasts. Over the overmantel is a basket of flowers, with flowers spilling out over the frames of the oval lunettes. In the small entrance lobby of the suite are two terracotta statues of spring and summer, with drum-shaped pedestals ornamented with gilt bronze flowers and ribbons. The ventilation grills, of considerable size, are decorated in bronze lattice. On the walls are a series of lamp holders held by minute Apollo Lears, with each bulb holder containing around 25 leaves opened out. The lights, according to Binley, are hung on, cords from ribbons tied in bows, entwined at intervals with flowers, descending to a cluster of tassels. The panels of the walls are treated like picture frames, with inner and outer mouldings. In contrast to the window frames and the wall mirrors, which are surrounded by clusters of wreaths, with an inset behind which a curtain could hang without obscuring the moulding, according to Binley. As of 2015, the Ritz London has 136 guest rooms, of which 111 are bedrooms and 25 are suites. The main bedrooms are divided into three principal categories, superior, king, queen, twin, executive, king, twin, and deluxe, king, twin. The superior king and queen rooms are 215 square feet and 260 square feet in size respectively, while the executive and deluxe king rooms are 320 square feet and 385 square feet. The suites are divided into categories, junior suite, superior suite, executive suite, deluxe suite, the Trafalgar suite, and the Barclay suite, and also include the signature styles that the Royal suite and the Prince of Wales suite, each with their own unique style. The executive suites typically face south and are 320 square feet in size, 
with a small lounge area and antique furniture. The junior suites with fireplaces, gilded mouldings and antique furniture are above Piccadilly and are 495 square feet in size, while the three to five bedroom suites range in size from 1,990 square feet to 2,802 square feet. William Kent House, also known as Wimbledon House, was opened as an extension of the Ritz. The house has been converted into a complete function area with the music room, the Burlington room, the Queen Elizabeth room, and the William Kent room. It also accommodates three of the Ritz's top suites, the Arlington suite, the Royal suite, as well as the Prince of Wales suite. Several of the rooms have Louis XVI chimney pieces. The grade two building was carefully restored and given a modern touch with period furnishings concealing things like flat screen televisions. The Restoration 1A Royal Institute of British Architects National Gold Medal in 2007. The Ritz Club is a casino in the basement of the hotel, occupying the space which was formerly the Ritz Bar and Grill. In the original structure, this is where the Ritz Ballroom was located. A May 1906 edition of Truth magazine described the basement with the grill room and banqueting hall as palatial, ivory white in decor, with mirrors on the walls reflecting an endless intersection of arch ceilings. The rooms were used for dinners, balls and theatrical shows, with a stage at the south end of the banqueting hall. By the mid-1920s, the grill room had been relocated into the banqueting hall and furnished with circular tables with oval black wicker chairs. One 1926 brochure stated that it was the scene of some of the finest private and public balls ever given in London. During World War II, it became known as the nightclub Le Popet. The interior of the club was made to simulate a combat dugout complete with sandbags. The club chandeliers were made out of various types of empty liquor bottles with candles in their necks for light. The dance floor was crowded during wartime, but it later declined in popularity. Laurie Ross was in charge of the Ritz Bar and Grill for many years. The bar, known to his regulars as Laurie's Bar, closed when Ross retired in 1976. By the 1970s, the basement rooms were closed to the public. In 1977, Trafalgar House agreed to lease the basement to Mecca Sportsman and Pleasurama, and the Ritz Club was opened in the following year, under separate management from the hotel. The basement was restored to the hotel's Louis XVI style of 1906, and the decorations included 6,000 sheets of gold leaf. Gold leaf was not spared on mouldings, cupids and garlands, and a blue sky with fluffy clouds painted on the ceiling above the gaming tables. The restoration consisted of repainting, cleaning and recovering all in the original colour scheme. Furniture was restored to its original state and replicas replaced what could not be restored. When it opened, the Ritz Club was open to members and hotel guests only. However, unlike most casinos, it charges a fee to enter. The games are considered high stakes in that the minimum bet is usually very high. They offer roulette, blackjack, baccarat and poker, as well as some slot machines. In 1998, the club was purchased by London clubs who moved their premises from the Devonshire Club on St James's Street to the basement of the Ritz. A new company was formed in June 1998 and Ritz Hotel Casino Limited, which was granted legal permission to open a casino. After a very quick refurbishment, it reopened on the 12th of September with exclusive membership, although members are permitted to invite a guest. As of 2006, the Ritz Club was divided into four main areas, the restaurant, bar, lounge and private gaming room situated in the former banqueting hall. So I hope you've enjoyed our two-part look at the Ritz in London, one of the world's most luxurious hotels. If you've ever been there, had tea there 
do let us know. We'd love to know what it was like. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, www.londonvisited.co.uk. It really is that easy. Thanks for listening. Really hope you've enjoyed our podcasts and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.